Hey besties, it's your pal Manda, and I am so excited to get started on another episode of Sunshine and Rainbows podcast, a space where we start conversations about when life isn't sunshine and rainbows. Today, I'm going to be speaking with one of my amazing friends, Missy, and I am so excited for you guys to get to hear her story and hear about how our friendship started at one of her worst moments. Okay, I am so glad that we are doing this. Everyone, meet my pal, Missy. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and just agreeing to do this with me. I honestly am so honored that you think I'm a safe space to talk about this. And I think this is really just taking our friendship to the next level, which I'm happy about. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited to be on here and I'm so proud of you for starting this podcast and being able to talk about so many issues, but they're all relatable. So many people can understand them in so many different ways and I'm so pumped to be here and start sharing my story because it's a lot. (laughs) So friends, grab your popcorn, buckle in. We got some stories to tell. Um, I want to give Missy an opportunity to introduce herself and just share what is on her heart. Well, greetings, everyone. Um, I just turned 30 years old. I never thought I would reach this age, first of all. (laughs) I never thought that I would get to this point because that just seemed so untouchable and really old. But I am 30 years old. I have been in therapy for the last two years. Uh, I very recently, in those last two years, have been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, Mm. generalized anxiety disorder, which is GAD, Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been a mental health advocate on Instagram, and I believe in things like talk therapy, meditation, and... Probably the most taboo part of this, medication. (laughs) So I uh, am currently prescribed both Lexapro and Clonopin for my, um, Lexapro is an anti-anxiety medication and Clonopin is to help me with my panic attacks, which Mm. I didn't realize until two years ago that I was having almost daily. Mm. Daily panic attacks, what? I just got goosebumps, okay? (laughs) Just because I knew you when all of that was happening. Right. And I was going through such similar experiences, very different but similar in the daily panic attacks. And yeah, I just got goosebumps because the fact that we lived through that and have blossomed through that since then together is awesome. Oh, absolutely. And... And to see how how much both of us have grown because I didn't realize how much stress and how much distraction I was doing for myself. I wasn't sitting in my feelings. I wasn't mm. actually dealing with anything. And so I was causing myself unconsciously these daily panic attacks that I had no idea about. Mm. And yeah, they, they definitely sometimes hit me, but I know how to handle them and my life is so much calmer and my relationships with so many people are better and I cut out the toxicity <laughs> in my life. And I'm so much better at identifying it too. That's the big thing is it's one thing to be aware, but then to identify the triggers and implement 
tools to change. Like it's it's a process. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And guys, it's trial by fire. <laughs> so the first step, the first step uh. is identifying that you have a problem. <laughs> and yes. it's the biggest step. And then usually you're like, uh, what now? And so I'm going to start with my story and actually where my generalized anxiety disorder came from. And from what I understand, it's one of the most common disorders. Mm -hmm. So I was raised as what you would call the third parent, what I call the third parent. So I am the oldest child and the only girl. Dun dun dun. Uh, <laughs> lock me in an ivory tower. Your brothers can do whatever they want and you have to stay here. No R movies for you. In fact, your brothers will actually watch PG-13 movies before you're allowed to. Mm. They'll be able to stay out later than you because they're boys mm. and you're a girl and nobody has good intentions for women, mm. which sometimes, sometimes is also true, but yeah. at the same time, when I'm three years older than my closest brother, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I am the oldest of three. Uh, my brothers and I are all three years apart. My middle brother, Chris, is three years younger than me and he has autism. And uh, my youngest brother is six years younger than me. Uh, his name's Joey, and he is a normal functioning child. Now, what's interesting about all of this is that we only recently found out that Chris was autistic. So, when he was born, it was 1994, yes. and autism was not as common as it is now. Or it may have been, but that wasn't a diagnosis unless they were very serious circumstances. Mm. So they were more just hyperactive or quirky kids, yes. not quite, like the spectrum hadn't really been established. Right. So um, Chris very often wouldn't make eye contact. Okay. He was nonverbal until he was three years old. He had routines mm. um, and a lot of repetitive behaviors. So um, again, myself as the older sister, uh, at the time when he was born, I was only three, but I was able to figure out a lot of his routines, a lot of his idiosyncrasies, and I became my parents' helper mm, because of that. The helper. So, the helper, because he couldn't talk, but I knew from his body movements, from the way his eyes were moving, from even the little ways that he set up his toy trains, I could anticipate his next behaviors and I could prevent him from having a tantrum. Wow. And dealing with an autistic tantrum, I don't know if anyone else has, but if their routine gets set off because they don't know how to effectively communicate, especially those children that are delayed verbally, mm -hmm. they don't know how to express themselves. So everything is black and white for them. Mm. So if one thing, in their routine is derailed. You're talking, and I'm not kidding, a 10 hour tantrum. Wow. A 10 hour tantrum where they will bang their heads against the wall. 
Mm. It's taken me a while to not get emotional about that because I can picture my brother doing this, banging his head against the wall repeatedly mm. because he's so frustrated and he doesn't know how to get his anger out. He doesn't know how to tell you that that wasn't right, that what just happened. Mm. And you don't know how to communicate to him, hey, you know what? We can get you another waffle and we can cut it differently. Mm. Oh, my heart just breaks. Oh. So, being really the only person in the family who knew how to anticipate those tantrums, my parents really relied on me mm. for that. But as we got older, and I was going to preschool, and then he was going to school, what did that do? My parents didn't know, in my mind, how to take care of my brother because that was my job. I knew, I knew how to intercept and avoid all of those tantrums and avoid him feeling frustrated and how to keep him happy. So I worried about my brother constantly. I worried about my parents. And you're talking, I'm five years old at this point. Oh my goodness. I'm five years old and I'm worried about what's going on with my little brother. So, forget it, once my youngest brother was born, and I was six years old and Chris was three, we have Joey in the mix, and Joey is a force. <laughs> He's a force. <laughs> He's a force, and um, this was an adjustment for Chris, obviously, because yeah. having this little thing that makes lots of noise when Chris has been used to a completely quiet household. Mm. Guess who's stepping back in? It's me. <laughs> Big sis to the rescue. It's me. So, again, that was completely, completely draining. And then I'm worried, too, about keeping my youngest brother quiet and content while my mom is getting dinner ready and my dad's at work. Mm -hmm. But this type of family dynamic led to my mother's bipolar disorder getting... 10 times worse than it already was. And it increased my father's uh, alcoholic tendencies. So, mm. you've got an anxious kid, an autistic kid, who at this point is undiagnosed, and a ball of fire little baby. <laughs> it's a breeding ground for mental health disorders. Mm -hmm. And here I am, at 30 years old, only finding out at age 28 that that's what I'm suffering from. So that was going to be my question is, at what point in your life did you realize that it was happening or that it wasn't normal? And I put normal in parentheses because nobody's normal. Nobody's normal. <laughs> but did you ever notice that your family dynamics were different than your friends or other people's glowing up? Um, so, growing up, I didn't know any different. I think that was only because I was so focused on my own family dynamic. Um, I kept looking inwards, saying, okay, I need to be the child they don't have to worry about. So I'm gonna do really well in school. I'm gonna do really well at softball. I'm gonna do really well in dance so that I'm not the problem child. Mm -hmm. I was very high achieving in all AP classes. Now, I did have a glimpse in high school that other families were different, but 
I didn't really recognize just how different we were until I went to college. Okay. And college, um, as you and I have discussed mm -hmm. before, um, college isn't just about your education. College is a completely forced perspective and you talk really in depth with so many people about their home lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing, yeah, no, not everyone is the same, but people, the, the general public doesn't have the same dynamic with their siblings and their parents that I did. Mm -hmm. So that was really jarring. And what did it lead me to do? Completely push my family away. Completely. Which doesn't solve anything. Oh no, not at all. No. Not at all. It just delays the inevitable like outbursts and things that you need to have happen and conversations that you need to have happen. It delays it until an explosion, at least in my experience. And there were many explosions. <laughs> And it turned into, well, you don't understand. Mm. You don't understand. How how could you have done this to me? And they're like, do what? To who? Because that was our norm. Mm -hmm. They didn't see either that our situation was anything but normal. Because that's how we all had been living for, at the time, 20 years. Mm. That was the dynamic. That was the norm. So as you're realizing this, so you're in college, you're a young adult now, what did you do to deal with it? I know I said initially you were just like, mm, cut off, not gonna deal with it, <laughs> family cut off. But how did that impact you, your friendships? What did I do to deal with it? I slept around and drank. Mm-hmm to not feel anything, mm -hmm. to not feel anything. And I numbed it for years mm. and years and years. And it was destructive in a different way because after you have sex with someone or you drink, it only delays it. Yep. And then the next day, you have a hangover, you feel like garbage, you wake up in some somebody's bed, mm -hmm. and you feel even worse about yourself. Because you're reminded what you were trying to forget. Yes. <laughs> the next morning. So not only do you feel physically sick, mm -hmm. you feel like a trashy person, and I'm still thinking about my family back home who at the time was four hours away. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, we get through college. We get through college. We're graduated. Mm -hmm. And take take us to about two years ago, which is when you and I's friendship really was solidified, Absolutely. I feel like. And I distinctly remember you just came up to me one day and you looked at me with this doe-eyed face, like you'd just seen a ghost and you walk in the door <laughs> and you just said, have you ever been to therapy? And I turned around and was like, oh girl, let me tell you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, real talk here. I tend not to get close to people at work. It's my nature. Yes, I'm a Slytherin. If you, <laughs> me too. <laughs> if you cannot help me further my career or mm -hmm. further my way of life or 
I'm sorry. It's just what it is. I'm not going to pretend to be anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, Amanda, at the time, I, you just were not even on my radar. I know. And so I went into this whole, uh, my family basically crumbled. All of my family issues kind of came to a head uh, in at the beginning of 2019. And I had no idea what to do. I went home, uh, I, I took a leave of absence from work. I went home to help my family through it. And I realized this is much bigger than me. Mm -hmm. And thankfully at the time, you know, mental health, even in the last five years has been such a priority. I had never been to therapy at that point, but I knew that if I was going to have a hope of getting through this family situation that I should probably start somewhere. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what to do and honestly I was so afraid of it because I was so afraid of digging deep and revisiting some of those absolutely hideous experiences from when I was a child. Yeah. And so at that point I had just come back to work after dealing with all of this family stuff. And I just looked at you and said, have you ever been to therapy? Mm -hmm. Because she was the first person that I saw. Mm -hmm. And I was just looking for some reassurance from anyone, anywhere. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it. Amanda had been to therapy in college. Yeah. Like once in high school and once right around college time. But you prompting me like that was my reminder like, oh, it's been a while. I should, maybe I should get back. I should <laughs> start doing that. <laughs> so after that, that's when I started doing, um, well, actually I started doing therapy twice a week at that point for about six months. And then after that, I went to weekly therapy. And as of right now, I'm still doing weekly therapy. <laughs> yeah, girl. Me too. Yes. It's, and that's what I love about therapy is my therapist, as we've talked about already, is my best friend. And I tell her the bad things, but most of the time I talk about all the good things going on because she's a safe space for me to brag about. Because I don't feel like I can brag about some of my accomplishments to my friends, but I tell her everything first. And so I feel like, again, a lot of people think therapy is to fix what's been broken, but it also can help you prevent what can come as well. Oh, it's completely proactive. Mm -hmm. And now being two years in, and um, I will say that some of my familial uh, relationships have been severed and that's okay, mm -hmm. and I, I've learned to work through that, and I feel better about it. In fact, the, the relationships with the family that I have now, it's stronger and healthier than it ever was because some of those other family members are non-existent in our lives. Mm -hmm. And guys, just because you are related to someone does not mean that they owe you anything and you don't owe them anything. Mm. You preserve your happiness and your household, whatever that looks like. For, for me, it's myself, my husband, and my two dogs. <laughs> and 
that's my top priority. Mm -hmm. My little nuclear family, if that, as long as that's a healthy space, I get to decide who comes into my circle and who can stay the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is that you're born into your family and you don't quite get to choose the way you grow up or the people that are your circle, but you're able to choose your friends and your tribe and the people that you surround yourself with. And so if your family is a source of toxicity or struggle, don't build your friendships to mimic that. Right. And that is something I personally had to learn is going through things that my family struggled with with mental health, I was a fixer. And so then I surrounded myself with friends that needed to be fixed. When in reality, I just wanted friends to put as much effort into me as I put into them. Yes. And that that's a tough one. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. You and I in, in that way are both, I, I call it, I'm a fierce friend. Yeah. And if I'm gonna go to bat for you, which if I consider you a close friend, I will, no questions asked, but I expect you to do the same for me. Mm -hmm. There are some people that just aren't like that. Mm -mm. So that doesn't mean that they can't be your friend, but you don't let them into your close inner circle. Mm -mm. The other thing that, um, you asked kind of how that permeated into the rest of my life and, yeah. and what happened. Well, like you said, you felt like you were a fixer. The other part of being a fixer is that you take pride in knowing better than everyone else <laughs> and giving advice. And then, so if someone comes to you for advice and you give it to them, but then they don't take it. And then it. they don't take it. Oh, I take that as a personal offense. Slap in the face. You do not value my friendship. Why did you even ask me? Mm -hmm. And then you come back to me to tell me that your situation didn't work out, but you didn't do what I told you to do. So then what do you expect? And what does that lead to? Okay, bow down to me, because mm -hmm. admit to me that I, that I knew better than you. Mm -hmm. It's a cycle. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ugh. And then that's exhausting in and of itself, because if you feel like, like I said earlier, that you owe things to your friends, like you owe them advice, and then they owe you in following that advice, mm -hmm. How is that actually a healthy friendship? Guess what? It's not. It's not. It's not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So all that being said, therapy was a big help. Ugh. Are there any other things that really helped you work through some of the things that we talked about? Um, a lot of it was being comfortable spending time by myself. So what I did to numb things, when I stopped sleeping with people and drinking and being <laughs> destructive in that way, I was an expert at distraction. Mm. So my favorite thing to do was overwork myself uh. and have three jobs at a time. And I'm not, I'm not joking. I worked at a kennel, I worked at my day job, and I was a server. Mm. I filled literally every hour from 6 a.m. 
all the way until 11 p.m. on a daily basis so that I wouldn't have to sit in my feelings. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? I wasn't crying. I wasn't eating. I wasn't really sleeping. And when I did sleep, it was just pure exhaustion and right. like necessity. Survival mode. So um, the things that helped me were for sure meditation, journaling, mm. exercise. Yes. And just getting sun. And guys, when I say exercise, that doesn't mean go jump on your Peloton. <laughs> Go jump on your Peloton and pedal until your heart's content. Take a walk around the block. Mm -hmm. Observe everything that's around you. And instead of thinking about everything in your life. Yeah, I, I could stew about my family issues for, for days and days and days. But I can sit in the grass and I can feel what that feels like. I can feel the sun on my face. Mm -hmm. I can feel the warmth. I can see the light. I can feel the wind. It just grounds you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And being present in that moment, instead of living your life for what was or what you don't want to think about, is so it's so powerful. It's so powerful. If you live in the here and now you're having much more meaningful experiences. You're connecting with people on a better level, on a deeper level. Mic drop there. I'm not gonna drop this mic. But okay, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, she's mic precious. Drop. This one. Mic drop. Ugh. So I think you have given incredible insight, incredible background on your story. Oh, thank you. I will pass it over to you if you have any advice to anyone else that's in a similar situation or anything like that. Don't be afraid of therapy. Honestly, it was my biggest life ring and it was my last resort. And I never realized that in just two sessions of therapy that I could feel so much better. Mm. And at least validating my experiences. Someone just saying, yup, that sucks. Mm -hmm. And right now there are so many avenues that you can go down for therapy. There's, there's better help. If you want meditation apps, there's calm, there's headspace, which I use on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, most companies now offer multiple free health, uh, therapy sessions. Mm -hmm. So reach out to your insurance companies. There are so many different therapists. Um, that all specialize in different things. Yes. All different things. And there's so many ways to get help. Mm -hmm. And that's, I feel like, the first step. Well, down the road. <laughs> but one of many first steps is just doing something for yourself. Yes. You know? And one of my favorite things, and, and you've said this, and, and I adopted it, uh, after about a year ago, mm -hmm. you said that you kept, or you did one thing that made you happy mm -hmm. every day. One thing a day. And I kind of morphed that a little bit and did, and tell myself, I'm going to keep one promise to myself Ooh. every day. Oh, I love that. So whether that's I'm going to promise to do laundry today. 
I hate dishes way more than laundry. Okay. I can actually tolerate laundry. Um, or if that's, I promise to get outside three times today. Ooh. Just stand outside in the yard. Mm -hmm. Anything. I love that. Because yeah. sometimes in life you can't rely on other people, but you should be able to always rely on yourself. You should be able to always rely on yourself. And that's where it starts. And ends. Oh! oh. <laughs> and with that mushy gushy note, everybody. Oh, thank you so much for just taking the time and coming here and agreeing and supporting me. Always. Yeah. Always. I'm so lucky to have you as a friend. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> and I'm so glad that my <laughs> my mental breakdown started our friendship. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way, friend. <laughs> well, cheers to that. Cheers! <laughs> wow, besties. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Missy and I's conversation we had today. I hope that the things we talked about possibly spurred some thought processes and conversations in your own life. That's the point of all of this, to get people talking about it. Because once we speak it out loud, it's not as scary. Thank you again for all of the constant support and love that y'all are sending me over on Instagram. We just hit 700 followers, and like I said, I'm blown away. Speaking of reaching out, if you're interested in sharing your own story or bringing up a conversation to be started here on the podcast, please, 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 please reach out to me. You can either send me a DM on Instagram at Sunshine and Rainbows Pod or That Manda Girl, or you can send me an email, hello at thatmandagirl.com. I would love to hear from you. Until next week. 